Welcome to another episode of Real Talk with Brad Webb, where the topics are relevant and serve with truth, transparency, and some much needed realness. It's a real gospel gumbo, if you please. Here's your host, Brad Webb. Hey guys, I want to welcome back our podcast family out there and everybody that is uh, joining us for this podcast. Uh, we were kind of out of pocket here for the last week or so, a lot happening in the life of Family of Grace uh, with a new semester and everybody getting back in school and all those things. And when we were with you last, we were with Miss Jess Archer and we were having a conversation with her about the subject of relevancy and how what it meant to her and her life and today we want to pick back up on that conversation and I just want to kind of go back over a couple of things and literally the definition you know, you've heard me say it every time uh, uh, relevant or relevancy is to matter and today there are so many people that are searching um, matter of fact just today um, I heard grieving heartbreaking news of a young lady who took her own life and it breaks my heart because People take their lives when they feel like their life doesn't matter anymore. And today, if you know someone that is struggling um, with um, depression, you know, somebody struggling with suicidal ideations, any of those things, I would just encourage you to just share these podcasts with them because we want to help every individual. Matter of fact, uh, Family of Grace exists to help people for that purpose of, of finding the functional the, the reality, the design that God has for our lives. And um, so today we want to talk about what it means to matter and what it means to not matter uh, and what it means to live in a concept of feeling like you don't matter anymore. And so uh, I have a special guest today, again, backed by popular demand, Miss Shannon Johns. Shannon, welcome back to the program today. Thanks for having me back. And uh, several, Shannon uh, and Matt, you guys were in our very first uh, podcast that we ever did here at Real Talk uh, with a blended family dynamic and uh, also uh, introducing parenting and that concept with your new baby. And um, in that context, we were talking with Matt and Shannon about that. And Shannon shared a little bit of her story. And then um, I guess that a couple of maybe one, just one, or I don't don't know the, the the number to quantify it but along the way in some smaller group settings shannon has shared a little bit of her story uh in some settings with some ladies of the church and uh, i guess it was a really large teaser uh because several ladies have come back to me and asked especially with the relevancy and mattering and they ask if you would come back and share a little bit more of your story shannon so hey i just let's just kind of jump in here and i'm gonna let you just kind of take over and share your story but let me just spring board us off if you don't mind and let's just start with the concept of what it felt like or what was life like in you to you when it in the searching mode when it felt like you were looking for the place that you could matter and kind of what that was like to not feel like you mattered and didn't really feel like your the the relevancy wasn't there to the way it is today so uh you just jump in at any point you may want to share just kind of summarize a lot of years in that or whatever that looks like so uh just yeah so your heart that started pretty much with day one i guess birth right so my parents divorced when i was two or three and dad got full custody of my sister and i 
Um, he was military, um, very controlling. Um, he was physically, mentally, and emotionally abusive. So as a young child, I was never um, around an example of a good godly man, what a, that a husband looks like or what a father looks like in, in, in that area. Um, so as a young child, I never felt like I belonged, like I was loved, like I mattered. Mm-hmm. Um, and that, as we all know, things that happen in childhood stay with you forever, <laughs> pretty mm-hmm. much. Um, at least remnants of it do. You can work on it, but those remnants are still there. Um, so when you have someone daily, when you're six, seven, um, those are some of the earliest memories, calling you worthless, calling you stupid, um, holding guns to your head, holding, you know, putting knives at you, beating you, um, you feel like, um, why, I, I used to pray this prayer a lot um, at night um, because we did go to church faithfully every Sunday. That's We were there at 11 o'clock. Um, Dad was always nice on Sundays. Just Monday mornings, watch out. But I used to pray that prayer at night as a little girl. I used to pray, um, God, take me away from this. Um, I know it's not as bad as other kids have it. Like other kids have it much worse. But um, either take me away from this and put me with my mom or just take me. Mm. Just take me. So already I can remember being five, six years old, praying that prayer. You know, I want to be with you because I'm not supposed to be here. Mm -hmm. Um, And so, again, that that trickled into everything, every aspect of life as I got older. Um, Can we just talk a little bit about that? I I, I gave her free permission to share just wherever she wanted to jump in. And uh, uh, wow, that was uh, (laughs) we jumped jumped (laughs) right off into the deep end. There's several things that you just said that I'd like to just go back and talk about. Mm-hmm. Things that happen in childhood stay with you. Mm-hmm. And you just shared that, like, even as six years old, you were just praying, Lord, deliver me somehow. Mm-hmm. At what point did you did you realize, wait a minute, this is not normal? You, you know what I mean? Like, because mm-hmm. probably for a little while. Oh, it was normal. You know, right. it was normal. And mm-hmm. so, I mean, if you, that was your prayer at six, you know, you had to learn that really early on. But um, I guess, you know, that's that's a hard part. A lot of people, because I think a lot of people struggle with that, they, mm-hmm. the, the normalization of the abnormal. Mm-hmm. And, and, and that, I think, stimulates complacency. And this oh, is absolutely. as good as it'll ever yeah, be. Absolutely. You know, mm-hmm. and you said that. I know some... Mm-hmm. Some some kids have it worse than me, so I don't have it as bad as them, mm-hmm. and then maybe this is as good as it'll ever get. And so, um, at what point you feel like that really resonated with you? That wait, this isn't right. I think I was probably around the same age, six or okay. seven, and it was television. Like I would oh, really? see families sitting around a table eating dinner together, like that. The way the dad acted, the way the mom acted. I mm. mean, um, I was like, well, we don't. That's not how it works in my house, you know. Wow. Um, so, honestly, that's that's okay. how I first noticed it. Wow. And that's so important because this statement is huge, man. The things that happen to you in a childhood stay with you. And so let's just take that thought and let's move forward with it because mm-hmm. you you were dragging that mm-hmm. through the years um, leading up past mm-hmm. that, you know, mm-hmm. and that normalization of it. So. Um, how did that 
translate into everyday life for you just dragging that i mean it was tough so as a child i mean what i knew of was fear um i had perfectionistic mm-hmm. tendencies i still do because of everything had to be perfect at home um if it wasn't you're gonna get beat um so f- living in fear living with a perfectionistic attitude um there were through school let's talk about school so through school um I wanted to be the leader in certain areas, and so I, I tried really hard um, to find external um, uh, affirmations from people other than mm. um, what, what was going on at home. So school became a safe haven for me. Um, and I think I've already forgot the question you asked. I'm kind of going down a rabbit hole right now. But No, you're right um, on track. <laughs> Just you were dragging that. You said things that matter as a child stay with you so you were dragging right, that right. and so school became the safe haven school became the safe haven i knew that i could get um hey look your beautiful handwriting keep that up you know there was never one teacher that really resonated but there was just those small little little things that made me feel like oh like i do matter mm-hmm. right oh my handwriting is nice or oh like i made that basket or that basket in gym class or you know all the things that are external that i started finding my worth in like so as I went throughout the years, I started trying out for clubs and organizations, and that's where I started feeling like I mattered in those leadership roles mm-hmm. and responsibilities, and I was getting some positive um, feedback from that. So that's really where um, I stayed. Part of that was because I loved the feeling, right? Mm-hmm. I was like, oh, I matter, I'm important, mm-hmm. okay? And then part of it was I don't wanna go home. So the more I do, at school the less you know time i'll be at home um so in that so you joined everything pretty much everything <laughs> i did i i didn't want to be home but wow. um yeah and so you were trying that that finding that place and so so for you that was the first time you really felt that you mattered was at school either oh, in an organization mm-hmm. or a, a team or mm-hmm. or something like that and so as a young child living in such a dysfunctional home and yet finding this place of relevancy at school, man, how did that resonate with you? I know you said you wanted to stay there because mm-hmm. it was a safe place, mm-hmm. but it wasn't that it was just safe. It mm-hmm. was that for the first time in your life, you were probably feeling self-worth with that. Oh, absolutely. I, don't want to put words in your I mouth, finally but. had some self-worth. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I felt like, you know, there's, there's hope. For, I'm not just a stupid, worthless mm-hmm. piece of, whatever you know i've been called like there's a place for me somewhere i don't really know where that is but you know this for the future but right now this is where i belong and hey i'm not too bad at it like i'm actually doing things and so that doing of things and being of things really i mean that again resonates even today um although i find my worth in other places other Mm -hmm. than the external but um yeah that was huge for me um and honestly, if I didn't have those things, things could have been different for me. Mm-hmm. Like my entire life could have been if I didn't have something. I was grasping, right? So I'm grateful that at least school resonated with me. Wow. So your familiar structure stayed the same through all the way through school. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so um, as you move from school into to 
you were in military. Did you go military and then college, I, or did you I did go mil- and military? I went military. Um, I your dad was military. He was. Okay. He was, and I always said I wasn't going to go military. I wanted to go to college. Um, I didn't have the support though. And again, back to that self worth thing. I didn't think I could do it. Mom and dad, they weren't on board with it. And at that point, I I, I had moved from my dad's house into my mom's house, and so, um, that was a different kind of dysfunction. But, uh there wasn't a lot of support. So I had a friend say, Hey, let's join the army. Like we can go to school and be in the army and find a skill set." And I was like, okay, that sounds like fun. Just get me me out of here. (laughs) Get me out of here. So that's what I ended up doing. And, um, the army, it's kind of the unsaid motto, but you work hard, you play hard. And so, Mm -hmm. um, I got in the military and I did a lot of partying and was promiscuous and did things that I knew were wrong because mm-hmm. I had that foundation. Like I listened mm-hmm. in church on Sundays. I had um, a conscious conscience, but mm-hmm. um, that was just that was the environment that I was in for for eight years. So, mm-hmm. so let's talk about this because you have the privilege of hindsight. We all mm-hmm. do. But you have a unique vantage point that I do I don't have. Like I've never wanted to escape something. You, you know what I mean. Mm-hmm. But so many people join the military to get out of a situation, uh, get married, mm-hmm. to just get out of a situation, to get mm-hmm. out of that home and and get out on their own. From from the vantage point of looking ahead, and this is kind of jumping forward, and then we'll come back, but. What would be a word of wisdom that you would give as um, an 18-year-old you mm-hmm. looking back that's stuck, you know, that you feel like I'm stuck? I, mm-hmm. You know, I, that person right now that's about to pull the trigger on something radical just to escape an environment. What would be a word of encouragement that you would maybe just want to share with them and uh, to just... Like looking back, I would have loved to have had a mentor Mm -hmm. or someone right there to support me in in those choices I was making at the time. Mm -hmm. Um, And I didn't, that wasn't around. um, And I didn't really fully seek that out um, because I didn't know what a mentor was anyway. But Mm -hmm. um, I knew, hey, I should probably go to my counselor and talk to my counselor about some of the things that were going on. But I was scared. And then they had them lined up. (laughs) Right. And I was scared. And I didn't want anybody to know that. Because, again, perfectionist. I didn't want anybody to know that I was struggling in any way. Mm -hmm. So I think definitely finding someone to talk to, finding a mentor, finding someone that could be that sound person for you mm-hmm. that mm-hmm. probably the only advice i'd give so and that's huge because if you don't know what it is you don't know that you need it yeah you, you know right. that's that that cliche that says you don't know what you don't know you mm-hmm. know and that's the reality and that's the hard part is that so many people are stuck and they just feel like i don't know what i don't know and and um you know but but the thing i would say is don't be afraid to ask Right. You know, the only, mm-hmm. my, my grandfather would say, or that was my dad, actually, the only dumb question is the one you never ask, mm-hmm. you know. And uh, if you don't know the answer to it, then it's really not a dumb question. Right. And so in that context, uh, so searching for that relevancy and mattering and not mattering, um, you know, forced you in the military. Mm-hmm. Uh, what about, did you, did you, 
you was you a nurse in the military? I was surgical tech. Okay. Oh, so surgical tech. That. Okay. Mm-hmm. So, boy, I know you've just talk about relevancy there. Mm-hmm. Um, in the military. Mm-hmm. In, so, in that occupation that you're that whatever. Uh, what, what do they call it? You're. Um, I'm showing my ignorance now. You, you're the job that you do in the military. Okay. So. so First of all, I loved the military. I loved the concept of it because, again, I felt like this is where I belong. Like, I got there and I was like, oh, these are my people. Like, mm-hmm. I like to run. I like I like order. I like things to be mm-hmm. perfect. <laughs> and the military was that for, for a little bit. Um, but, again, there was a lot of unfamiliar territory and a lot of... Um, the environment was just not conducive to an 18, 19 year old. It, I mm-hmm, mean, mm-hmm. people talk about going to college and partying. I mean, the military is, I think, 10 times worse. Mm-hmm. So I really started making some pretty poor decisions. Um, and Aaron just told me that's the MOS. Yes. The, Thank the you, jobs. Aaron. Oh, I didn't know where you were going. <laughs> the MOS. The MOS. Yeah, yeah, it was 91 Delta, and then I think they changed it to 68 Forgive Delta. Forgive me uh, to all of our service personnel for um, showing my lack of knowledge. But I loved my job. I loved being in the military. I loved the um, camaraderie that we all had. Um, again, and it goes back to, like, I felt like I mattered. I was a part of a team. And that, that was and So how many years was that? That was six years of active duty, and then so two you years. found you found yeah. relevancy that you were you mattered to a team, you mattered mm-hmm. to the concept, mm-hmm. you mattered to the job. Mm-hmm. But what about to Shannon? Right, so the inner the, the the inner you. Inner me hadn't done any work, so never been in counseling. Um, so there wasn't any spiritual growth going on. There wasn't any. Um, there wasn't much growth. Anything. What I did, because this is what I do, I'm a suppressor. Mm-hmm. Okay, so I, Pushing. my sisters were on antidepressants and friends were on all that. And I'm like, that's for sissies. Like, put your big girl panties on and like move on, right? Like all this stuff happened to us when we were little. We got, we went through all this, like move mm-hmm. on. Like look forward, don't look back. And it's funny because that's so, it's so not right. <laughs> <laughs> um looking back I'm like I was probably the biggest mess for the longest period of time like they were working on themselves and mm-hmm. and I wasn't so I just suppressed I ignored it um and, and and used work as an excuse to not pay attention mm-hmm. to that other stuff to work on Shannon distractions I love distractions yes. distractions and uh so you how long were you you said you were in the military for how long eight eight, eight years. years and mm-hmm. so you got out and then at what point did you get married so I got married probably let's see about a year after I got out of the military okay. and I was married previous to that so in the military okay. I married someone twice okay. um again poor decisions mm-hmm. but um uh, got married to um my ex-husband and um that was one of those situations where i was like he's a good guy he's kind and he's nice like this is the best i can do mm-hmm. that was the thought like this mm-hmm. is this is what shannon can do mm-hmm. this is the pinnacle and um i'm so wrong <laughs> <laughs> and that led me down um which was still that rescuing kind of mindset yeah, absolutely. like this is safe and this is safe and be, yeah yeah wow. absolutely okay. and i couldn't see 
I couldn't see beyond that. Um, mm. When Liam was born, which was about about two years after we we were together, um, that's when things really started to hit. Like I could no longer mm-hmm. ignore um, all of that junk from childhood because I had this baby, and now I had questions, and I had mm-hmm. to, was trying to figure out. I was soul searching, and it it put me in a place. And plus, on top of that, I was going to school full time. I was working full time. Wow. Uh, my mother-in-law was living with us. And then about a year after I found out that um, my ex-husband had been in an adulterous relationship since Liam was five months old. And so all of these <coughs> things came crashing down on me. And I didn't know how to deal with it. I couldn't deal with all that emotion and I'd never known how to de- deal with it. I, again, was somebody who was we don't need to deal with, like, we don't need to have emotion. Mm-hmm. Again, move on, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, so now I'm dealing with all these emotions and the stress of things. And um, I started drinking. I mean, I was always a drinker, but started drinking um, a little more than I, I, I was. Mm-hmm. My father was a drinker, and um, 60% of addiction is... Mm-hmm. Um, genetic Mm -hmm. so I already had the propensity to become an alcoholic and that I believe looking back was the start of the progression of that disease Mm -hmm. for me Mm -hmm. Um, because I could not I couldn't live life on life's terms at that point Mm -hmm. I didn't know how to I didn't Mm -hmm. know how to deal with these stressors and how to deal with um trying to keep my family together that was my number one goal so trying now to figure out what mattered really right what mattered and, mm-hmm. and and trying to figure out where i was in that and at the same time i didn't want to divorce him i wanted us to work through it for the sake of our kiddos because at this time then we had kiera my mm-hmm. sister i had dropped her off at my doorstep and so um I, I, it was hard for me to, to figure all of that out, wow. all of that going on. It was tough. Wow. And so I started drinking as a distraction and got mm-hmm. really focused in leadership positions in college because I started school that year. And so drinking a little extra every night on top of being a leader of the community at that point, like I was doing some great things. Um, but again, not focusing on the, the root issues, like <clears throat> the root causes of... That's a good point right there because there's so many people that are doing great things every day but falling apart on Mm -hmm. the inside, (laughs) you know. And the tragedy is that many people look to those people that are doing great things and say, wow, I want to be just like them. But then secretly they're dying inside themselves many times in the cave of isolation. Absolutely. And and searching for relevancy. Mm -hmm. And that's one reason they're excelling out of of so much they're doing because they're trying to matter in all those areas because they really don't matter Mm -hmm. to themselves. You're on Um, it. So many people find themselves like treating everybody better than they treat themselves. Like Mm -hmm. they take care of everybody else. They don't take care of themselves. Yep. And so, you know, God brought you into my life, you know, through Pastor Matt and mm-hmm. as a worship leader. That's when we met. And so um, let's talk about where you are now and just the okay. difference of mindset 
um, in, you know, I mean, you're blessed, you have family. Oh, yeah. uh, so there's so many blessings. But what I really want to talk about is the inward you, the difference mm-hmm. in, of the inward you today as it was even four years ago, okay. you know. Yeah, um, I don't That's find... That's a lot to bite off. That of. is a lot. <laughs> I apologize. Um, I think first and foremost, I don't find my worth in external things anymore. Um, my worth comes from Christ. Like he, my identity is in him. Um, wow. So let's talk about that. Let's let's talk about that moment (laughs) that transferred from, yeah, we talk about this Sunday, matter of fact, from, Mm -hmm. from knowing it intellectually to knowing in your heart, that, that transformation Mm -hmm. to tell us about that story. Cause you know, you, you you understood church, you understood religion, but when did, what brought about that drastic change that you found your worth in Christ? Man, I think that's been a process. A slow process. Yeah, it's a huh? very slow process. And I can look back again in hindsight and see just no how thing. he was like, he was just pursuing me time after time after time. Wow. That is so huge. Like that is big. Because everybody's looking for the big moment, the mm-hmm. aha, mm-hmm. but it's a gradual process. And mm-hmm. what you just said, him pursuing us with that relentless love is just so overwhelming. Mm-hmm. And so I, I didn't mean to interrupt you, but no, that, it is. That's it is. I mean, that's it makes you, it make me cry. Yeah. Um, and there were lots of times where I would have sense of sobriety and I was doing really good. And then like make a stupid choice to go back out and, and, and drink again and, and do things that I shouldn't have been doing. And, Man, looking back, I, I thought they were failures. There was a point where I had failed again in that regard, and I wanted to take my own life. I had a box of wine on the table and a knife sitting next to it. Mm-hmm. My kids were at their dad's. Wow. And I was, I was done. Like I was, because I couldn't see, I couldn't see a way out because I was in that familiar place. I was. I wanted to get out, but it was so hard. It was so hard um, because I go down this, the street and um, the same liquor store was there. And, you know, God's telling me, you don't need that. But I'm saying, well, you know what? It wouldn't be that bad. Like, you've done this before. You'll get over it next week, you know. But that was a point where I had that box of wine sitting there and that knife. And I was... I was ready to do it. Thank God that I passed out from drinking that wine because I I don't know if I would have done it or not. But I know when you talk about in your sermons, hopelessness, I know not being able to see past where you are like it. It's painful. Mm -hmm. It's painful. And it makes you not feel like you don't matter. So why am I even here? I'm a failure to my kids. I'm a failure in this area. I'm failing here. You know, why even, why even try anymore? And that's a horrible place to be. Um, I guess that's one of the reasons I'm so passionate about the hopelessness because I know what it's like to feel like there's no way out. And man, once you do, it's just, you just don't want anybody to have to walk that road. I didn't know life could ever be so good. If you would, in my, in my wildest dreams, I, I could never have pictured a life like the life I'm living now. Wow. Never. So let's talk about a day in your life now. Okay. Is it relevant? 
Absolutely. Tell us what that looks like. I matter. <laughs> you matter. I do matter. Um, I wake up every morning to a husband who supports me and loves me, and he loves me for me. Mm-hmm. I don't have to try to be anything other than who I am. Um, I have an awesome little baby girl. Um, I have two children that I would love to be with me full time, but they're not, and God's working that. And I know without a shadow of a doubt, he's going to take mm-hmm. care of it. Might not be on my timing but it's going to be on his. Um, I get to go to work and pour into 70 some kids every single day. I get to be the light to these kiddos. Some of them in situations that I was in when I was a kid and I get to love them and teach them through that. And I, I've been blessed to know all of you. Um, and this is, this would have been hard for me three, four years ago, even maybe even a year ago to be so transparent with who I am, where I'm at, Mm -hmm. what I've been through. Because again, I have that, that background of, you don't want people to know you're struggling. You know, you don't want people to know that all of your secrets, you know, you want to be looked at as perfect, but that's. Who's that going to help? That's That's the the devil. devil. (laughs) That is the devil. Um, and so the Bible says that in, in, in uh, Ezekiel that Satan, Lucifer, was a seal of perfection. Mm-hmm. So, man, when you think about that concept and when you're trying to live up to this perfect thing, he was a seal of perfection and it wasn't even good enough for him. Mm-hmm. So just be who you are. Be real. Yeah. Be transparent. Wow, that's a that's a great word. And and, you know, it. it I had no no hesitancy to you coming in today because I see I see the relevancy in your life. You know, I see the way you matter, the way you matter to us, the way you matter to your family, and the way you matter uh, to our faith family. And um, man, it, your story is the reason we do what we do at Family of Grace. It's the reason that we bus kids in here three days a week and twice mm-hmm. on Wednesdays for two different groups and. Because if we can, I, ha, I had a friend of mine, kind of a similar testimony to you, mm-hmm. just struggled his whole life and uh, came to know Christ while remodeling my bathroom, actually. Wow. I led him to Christ while helping me build a custom shower. And uh, we were tired, man. It was about 12 o'clock at night, and he's just laying there on the floor. And uh, the end of the story was he came to know Christ, and he started riding the bus with me. Mm-hmm. And he said, well, you one crazy preacher. He said, these streets are crazy. You going down. Like, I know these streets. But mm-hmm. here's what he said. After about doing that, for, doing that for a couple of months, he said, you know what, Pastor Brad? He said, when these kids get on this bus, you can almost sense the guard being let down. Mm-hmm. And then when they get off, it's like they're putting their guard back up. But mm-hmm. they know for an hour or two hours or whatever, mm-hmm. it's a safe place. Right. It's a place where we can be loved. And... And guys, um, I just want to kind of wrap this up. You have some other things you want to share along those lines? I'll let you share on this, kind okay. of how we wrap it up. Okay. Um, because, wow, this could hit so many people. A, you could be in that hopeless situation. Mm-hmm. You know, you may be you may be sitting there with a box of wine and a knife. You may be to that extreme. Or you may be at the very early ages where you're not willing to kill yourself. But you go to bed and you pray, Lord, if you would just let me wake up in your arms, Mm -hmm. it would be better than waking up here tomorrow. That's the very, if you're praying that prayer, guys, 
That's the very first step that you realize you only matter to God. Mm. And at the end of the day, he's the only one that it matters that you matter to. Mm-hmm. And um, so if you're in one of those spectrums, I just want you to reach out to us, you know, at Family of Grace. And Bree will give you the contact information for that. But um, I know you, Shannon, would be glad to have coffee or oh, absolutely. ice cream or absolutely. nothing anybody yes. that's just struggling mm-hmm. that you could share more of your story mm-hmm. you know the greatest thing about walking through hell by the square inch is that when it becomes when you're on the shouting side of it mm-hmm. then we can turn around and and throw our hands out to others who are mm-hmm. struggling and i know that you would love to do that and so you yes. know if you're a lady and you're just want somebody that can uh, identify mm-hmm. with where you are. Um, man, we, we would love to do that. And and then um, the other part of that is if you're if you're one of those people that are not in that drastic situation, you you can matter to so many people. Mm-hmm. And whether it's at work or at church or at the whatever you do, whatever your hobbies are, wherever your circles take you, your sphere of influences, I mean, I just want to really encourage you to seek out the people. You can see it in their eyes. Mm-hmm. You, you, you know who they are. You can see it in their the way they enter a room a lot of times. Mm-hmm. And they're not always entering it with their head bowed down a lot of times they're entering it with this uh really outgoing personality Mm because they're trying to not let you see who they really are would you agree with that oh absolutely and so uh you know ask god to show you you know who you can matter to and um man just trust him where you are and a family of grace shannon talked about something that that drives us mentoring Mm mm-hmm you know, that's what it's all about, to spend time with someone. And, uh, you know, you, you may not want to come on one of these nights where we're bringing all these kids in, but maybe you would adopt a child that's coming and say, you know what, I'm going to matter to this kid, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pray for this kid every day, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to send them little notes in the mail. You know, the part of your testimony that grabbed me was – for someone just to say, wow, that's pretty handwriting. Mm-hmm. Something so simple. It just meant the world mm-hmm. to you. So, actually, I thought of you another gig while we were okay. having this podcast. <laughs> uh, you know, because we're doing this adopt a child for all of our undefeated and cultivate kids. Okay. And so, man, I'd love for you just to maybe share a quick two-minute blurb, just how that impacted your life. Because, guys, the smallest things, things that you think don't matter. Mm-hmm means so much to a hurting someone mm-hmm. that's looking for someone to give them a sign of affirmation right. and love. What are, what are your thoughts on that? I mean, I mean, just, I, I, I mean, I was, I was that child, but every day I deal with these kiddos. I, I, I work with these kiddos who make a poor choice, you know, mm-hmm. and I, and I stop and instead of getting on them, we, we have a discussion and usually there's a root cause to their behavior and they break down in tears and, we end up hugging at the end of it and we're high-fiving by the end of the day. They've turned it around. It's just someone taking the time to say, what's going on? Mm-hmm. 
you know, or how can I help you? Wow. You know, and that is so important. It's so simple, something mm. so simple that we can all do. Um, yeah, and if you're scared day. of not knowing the answer, then just say what I say. Like I, I was talking to Pastor Lance earlier about something, and I was like, he told me a story, and I'm like, hey, whoa, that's over our head. Let's get a professional. <laughs> you, you know, so right. like you may talk to somebody, and you may be like, whoa, that's over my head, but I love you, and I'll go see a pastor with you. I'll go see a counselor with you. I'll go mm-hmm. see someone with you mm-hmm. that if I can't walk it out with you. But but while we're doing that, I'll be your biggest cheerleader. Mm-hmm. I remember when I one of the darkest times in my life, a friend came to me. And, I mean, I was had just been crying, and he came to me, and he said, uh, "He said, what do you want to do?" I said, "What do you mean? What like what contacts?" Mm-hmm. He said, "You want to cry?" He said, "Cause if you do, I'll cry with you." Mm-hmm. He said, "You want to laugh? If you do, I'll tell you some jokes, make you laugh. I'll laugh with you. Mm-hmm. You know, you want to get mad? I'll get mad with you." But that meant so much to me because he said, "Whatever you need." I'll help be that person to you. Mm-hmm. And we can make a difference one person Absolutely. at a time. And you know what? You don't have to to come up with a cure for cancer. You mm-hmm. don't have to come up with the next great app or the next great invention to be relevant. Right. If you will be relevant, if you'll make an impact on one person, an adult, a kid or whatever, you will matter. And, and today, can... so many people are searching for that. Go ahead. No. Something as simple as I, I remember back about Five or six years ago, when I started going, or maybe 10 years ago, when I started going to the church um, back in uh, Louisville, Kentucky, um, I'd go into church every Sunday, and there were the ladies standing there at the door handing out bulletins. Mm-hmm. And they were always full of just this unspeakable joy, just happy, mm-hmm. right? And just kind and loving. And I remember at weekend after weekend, like it never changed. That's just that's how they were. And I remember thinking to myself, how how are they so joyful all the time? Like, what is that? Like, I kind of want to be like that. Like, where where do you find that joy that's just exudes and people feel it and it, it changes the the temperature of the room, and um, that's Jesus. Mm. But man, I looked toward that. Like, I, that was my goal. Like, that I want to be high point of your week just to be yeah. In that. And I want to, I want to always be one of those ladies who mm-hmm. just has that joy. And so even if you're just passing out bulletins at church or, mm-hmm. you know, never discount what you're doing because it matters and it's important. Whatever you do in word or deed, mm-hmm. do it all for you the glory it. of God. You know, uh, the greatest way to shame the devil and take back your disgrace and mm-hmm. make it into glory is for you to go back to the place where you struggle the most and make a difference. And that's what you're doing. Mm-hmm. You struggle the most, you struggle the most as a child. Mm-hmm. And now you, every day, you, what, what grade are you teaching this year? Fourth. 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 Mm-hmm. I mean, every day you're going back and loving mm-hmm. on mm-hmm. kids as fourth graders and saying, I'm, I'm going to be a difference. Mm-hmm. Shannon, thank you so much for sharing your story. I know that's, it's, it's, it's great because you're at a place where you can't share it, oh, absolutely. but it's never easy, no. you know? Yeah. And so, uh, thank you for sharing that with our family. Mm-hmm. And, uh, man, if anything that was said today can, can help you where you are, let us know. Uh, and whatever you're doing in word or deed, don't give up. Don't okay. throw in the towel. God's not done. He has a design for your life. Find it. Mm-hmm. Maybe you need someone to help you find it.
you know, and remember that you matter most to God. So as you're working hard and you're hustling and all that stuff, just remember to seek Him with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. All right, so next week, Shannon, thank you for joining thank us. Thank you for today. having God me. Bless I appreciate you. it. Hope you all have a wonderful week, and wherever you are, be the difference. Thank you so much for joining us for this episode. We hope you enjoyed and it blessed you. If you would like to keep up with Pastor Brad, you can follow him at facebook.com at Pastor Brad Webb FOG. We'll see you later.